Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, the original additive manufacturing podcast and your source for news, interviews and comments on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by TCT Magazine. I'm your host, Sam Davis, and today I'm joined by Ivana Yobet, the founder and CEO of medical device company Odapt. Ivana founded Odapt in a bid to solve the problem of leakage in conventional ostomy bags. Using 3D printing, the company is developing personalised silicone wafers that better fit the user of ostomy bags and are adapted to the shape of stomas and pouches. Throughout our conversation, we discuss why 3D printing is suitable for this application, what considerations were made around the selection of material, and the potential impact of the product. We also touch on the company's next steps as it looks to bring its 3D printed wafer product to market. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more additive insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can subscribe to the print edition of TCT Magazine and our weekly additive insight newsletter for free. Ivana, welcome to the Additive Insight podcast. You're the co-founder and CEO of a company that is working to make the ostomy bag experience better. But before we dive into that, can you tell us a bit about your background personally? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this opportunity. So a little bit about myself. I'm from uh, Barcelona, from Spain. So I, I studied biomedical engineering there. And then I moved to to London, to the UK, uh, to specialize in in healthcare and design uh, with a master at Imperial. Um, And then after that, I went to to work in in Boston, in the pharmaceutical industry, in in rare diseases. And then I decided to go back to Barcelona to specialize more in in industrial design engineering. Um, and, And then... From there, uh, I actually moved in September here to Palo Alto in, in California, where I'm currently based. Uh, and during my studies, I've always been working, so basically mainly in, in healthcare consultancies, doing consulting from design strategy to um, to more, um, um, yes, design per se, like design thinking and design research. And then I've worked also for for startups. So uh, yes, I I was also in in Paris for a very short time, like six months working for a startup. So yes, that's a a little bit about me. Okay, perfect. And then coming on to Adapt, where did the the inspiration and the motivation for this business come from exactly? Yeah, so all of this started uh, quite a long ago, actually. It started when I was living in in London, um, that uh, I was going to this event and suddenly I met, it was the first time for me meeting someone with an ostomy bag and it was this this woman, um, very similar age than me, that was super stressed. She just had like this leak with this ostomy bag and, and back then I remember thinking like, what? is an ostomy bag and, and it's really that day that I learned about this and and I felt very very surprised. You know, I was coming from this healthcare background and I knew about biomedical engineering, but I, I had never heard of ostomy bags and 
And and I think this was the first time, you know, this curiosity popped out and thinking like, okay, what is this? And back then I had this opportunity to work on a on a project at university at Imperial College. And I decided to start looking a little bit into this. I had this colleague from class that was a, a surgeon in, in St. Mary's Hospital. I, I told her about this and she told me, yes, there's a... Uh, actually a lot of uh, issues with ostomy back so this is where I said okay let's look into it so I started and and for really uh, about um, six months to a year I was doing a lot of research on the topic I started uh, with a survey of 200 people social listenings analyzing like 9,000 conversations online only about ostomy bags and it's where I realized that it was really really a big problem in terms of uh, leakage but uh, also among other things uh, but this was the biggest problem and and I decided to do my my final master dissertation on this so it was more a research project doing like workshops co-creating with users and I, I did a lot a lot of research and ended up really with a little bit saying those are the problems with astomy bags this is what people are complaining about this is what people want and it ended there so after I, I I went to Boston, I was working for almost two years in in rare diseases in the industry, and but I always had this on the back of my mind, thinking, oh, there's all this research, and I really there's this uh, unmet need that is really big, and and all those people that I met, and and always thinking, I I need to design something, or someone needs to design something. Uh, so it's when I decided to to go back to Barcelona, start this master in industrial design engineering, and I entered already with this idea of I really want to to make a, a prototype of the, out of this. I had some ideas from the the sessions with the users, and and there is where I met uh, Jessica and Patricio, and they they really liked the the project and. And then we decided to work together on to prototyping uh, a solution. So there is where really Adapt uh, was born uh, per se, like the first prototype. And and then we had this pipeline of ideas, which was really hard also to focus on one. And I think it's also great because uh, even if we're focusing on one thing, we still have all of that pipeline of ideas of other things we want to continue designing for after within Ostomy Back Care. And, and at what stage, or first, how, I guess, how did you how did you approach the design? Obviously, you'd identified um, an issue with with the ostomy bags and, and the and the you know leakage. Um, how did you then approach the design of the solution? And at, I guess, at what stage did three D printing come into your consideration? Yes. So the 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 good thing is that we had like all of this research behind. So we were super clear about what the problem was, which we wanted to focus on, which was leakage uh, in people living with astomy bags. But within this problem, uh, we started like digging into and realizing that uh, 95% of leaks were really due to a misadjustment of the current solutions to all the types of bodies. So basically, the the current solutions are really designed for this perfect stoma. The stoma is this bit of intestine, no, that you have on the on on the um, here in the abdomen, 
And and the idea really is that uh, actually most of the um, of the stomas don't look like perfect and rounded, but uh, it really depends on the pathology. It depends on how the body reacts after the surgery. Even if you leave a surgery with a perfect stoma, then maybe the day after the body reacts, retracts the stoma, and and it's really after this first week that you that you know a little bit how the stoma is gonna look like, and. And basically, uh, what they what people need to do right now is that they need to manually cut and fit this wafer uh, to make it fit to their stoma. And in one side, this is very overwhelming, especially for for elderly. But on the other side, really, just doesn't work well. Even if it's cut perfectly, which is not often the case, uh, it doesn't work, and the liquid um, instead of getting into the bag gets out. Uh, the design is also like very flat. The materials are really stiff, so it, it creates like cuts also around the stoma. And and the stoma is actually it doesn't have any nerves, so people don't feel the cuts uh, until they are going to do a back change, and then it's where they realize that oh, there's actually blood. And and so also when this is important that when we talk about leaks, it's not only the idea of oh, I had a leak, I need to go back home and get changed. It means actually much more. We're talking about acid gastric going in contact with the skin. So it burns the skin and it's uh, painful. Sometimes it means even having a, another surgery afterwards. Um, so it was really this misadjustment of the back that made us think, okay, why don't we actually try to do something more personalized? Um, and maybe the last thing also we realized that so one of the things we did was to look at how people change their back. So we would uh, do a workshop and ask someone, can you go through a back change as if you were in your home? And so that we just observe and, and we realized you now that there are all those layers that people try to put, no, because at the end, a lot of people, you need to think, you no, know, the belly is not just like a flat surface. At the end, you have a lot of curves. And, and especially uh, there are a lot of people that have been through other surgeries before, so uh, it can get very complex shapes, not only the stoma, but also the curves of the belly. And we realized that uh, what they do right now in order to put the stoma also is to, they try to create this flat surface. So they they put layers and layers on top and, and this just doesn't work. So... Here it's where we started thinking about 3D printing and personalization. Okay, and and can you? It might be challenging on a you know on an audio platform. It probably helps to visualize um, the product. Can you explain what you have developed with this 3D printed wafer product? Um, you know how it looks, uh, the kind of function of it, um, and kind of you know go into what you're proposing as as the solution to this problem. Yes, so basically we're designing this medical device uh, for people living with ostomy bags. So you need to think that uh, when you have an ostomy bag, it means you, you had an ostomy surgery, which means they cut your intestine, they took it out through the abdominal wall, and now you're having a bit of intestine that comes out. Um, and, and then because the stools go out from this bit of intestine, you use this bag that you put on top of the stoma, which is the bit of intestine and the skin to collect all of that output. Uh, so what we do is that we replace the part that is in contact with the skin, which is uh, the one causing the, the leaks. 
so instead of having to to use that part and cut it and do all these layering things, uh, what we propose is a, is a solution where we have uh, scanned the anatomy of the user through a smartphone. Uh, then we the piece has been personalized really to the anatomy, so to the curves of the belly, to the stomach shape, um, and then uh, it's been 3D printed with biocompatible silicon. So basically what the user gets is a one piece ready to be used silicon 3D printed and reusable also, because right now basically it's disposable, so they throw it every day, they put a new one, it's something they change every day or every two days. And we thought that the idea is that this is gonna be also reusable since it's silicon and you can clean it very easily, even sterilize it a little bit like menstrual cups. The idea is that users are gonna be able to do to do this from, from home. And, and you mentioned that the um, biocompatible uh, silicon um, can you explain, I guess, the, the considerations that were made around um, the material? Obviously, 3D printing is, is in place because, it, you know, it can, can do that personalization job for you and can do so efficiently. What were the considerations you were making on the material side and, and why, in the end, was the, the silicon material uh, selected? Yeah. Yeah, so here we 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 tested a lot of materials, to be honest, but uh, we were looking for something uh, that had to be, first of all, biocompati biocompatible. And when I mean biocompatible, it needs to be really biocompatible because sometimes, no, we see uh, these products being, these uh, materials being advertised that they claim they are they are biocompatible, but there are a lot of degrees, no, uh, from that. And and one here, one thing that we want here is to make sure that it doesn't damage the skin and that it can be in contact with blood. Um, so that was the first thing. Then we were looking for a material that was uh, very flexible, that we could really like adapt it uh, to to any any shapes. And and then the third thing, uh, we were looking at something also where we could add uh, some type of adhesive so that it could uh, also be you know, stuck to the to the skin, but at the same time removed very easily. And, and the last thing, something reusable, something that people could really <clears throat> clean and keep reusing. Yeah. Um, and, and in terms of the, as you kind of develop this product and you, you look to bring it to market, <clears throat> can you explain the, I guess, the workflow for the development of, of the products? How much of, of what you do is in-house at the moment and what, if anything, is, is outsourced to kind of, you know, third-party suppliers and, and that kind of thing? Yes, so what we do right now, basically, we, we are doing the scan in two different ways. We have uh, this uh, app, which right now it's uh, it's an existing app, so it's outsourced. And then we have this also uh, more professional scanning machines that are a bit uh, bigger. Um, the idea in the long term is that we will have uh, an app of Adapt that would do the scanning uh, directly. And that could be that can be uh, downloaded uh, through through any smartphone. Uh, then what we do right now it's quite manual in terms of the 3D modeling, but it's something that in the next three to four months it's going to change since we are working on on designing a more automated uh, uh, algorithm that really you you can input the the scan and then in three seconds you have already the piece ready to be printed. 
So this is going to be the, the, yes, it's the next thing we're working on right now. And then in terms of printing right now, we are externalizing it, working with uh, companies that uh, 3D print in biocompatible silicon, which is actually still quite rare. Um, in the market, we've been reaching out and to, to all of the ones that we know exist from all over the world. And there are not that many. It's something that we hope in the next year it's going to change uh, because we really think it's a, it's a great uh, tool for healthcare applications, not only for ADAPT, but for many, many others. Uh, so we are working mainly with manufacturers uh, that can manufacture medical devices and that are certified or willing to be certified for class one and class two medical devices. And they are mainly in, in France. And now we're starting also in Boston to work with one. Okay. And um, in terms of bringing the, the product to market and, and getting it you know, commercially available, um, you know, obviously the, the product is, is going to be in demand because no ostomy bag wants to have to deal with um, some of the challenges we've discussed today. But can you talk us through the steps of, of getting it over the line, getting it uh, approved and, and getting it available and, and what process um, ODAPT is going to have to go through um, in the next you know, months and, and, and years to kind of offer this solution um, on the market? Yes. Yeah, so right now we're working basically on having really the MVP of the whole fl- flow. So not only the MVP of the final piece, which is what we have right now, but really of the whole flow, no? that you can have this app where you do the scanning with a smartphone, you get the design already automated, and then we send it for 3D printing. So this is something we're working on right now. So that, uh, uh, and it's something that um, we're going to be testing and iterating uh, in, in real life. So designing and really testing, iterating until the algorithm really uh, works perfectly. And once we have this, um, the idea is that it's going to be already tested with like two to three users. And and once we have this, we are really willing to to try to find more more funding to do a proper clinical trial. So for the moment, we're really focusing more on on, on working more with grants from competitions uh, to do this final MVP of the whole flow, not only the final piece. And once we have this, we will uh, try to raise funds to do a clinical trial. Yeah. And, and from what you know of, of, of 3D printing and of, of the medical industry, um, you know, what you've experienced, what you've, what you've researched, what do you see as the, the key challenges of getting an, an end-use 3D printed product to be accepted in, in the healthcare space, obviously by the, the regulatory authorities? Yeah, so of course, 3D printing uh, can be challenging in terms of regulatory because especially when you're personalizing, no, it means that uh, every piece, it's going to be different than the other one. So you cannot really certify the, the piece because each one is unique. Uh, so what you need to do is to certify the process. Uh, and by that, it means that you're really uh, working with a manufacturer that is certified for uh, medical devices and has certified the process of printing your specific product. So you need like a certified material, certified machine and certified uh, uh, space and, and, and company. So it's a, it's a lot of things to, to complete. But once you have this, you're, you're ready to, to really print any piece, even if it's different than the other and to certify it. 
Yeah, and, and once you once you get to that point, um, and I don't know whether this is too early for you to to fully kind of um, finalise, but in terms of the business model um, of Adapt, do you do you foresee that <clears throat> you'll be going direct to consumers of this product, or will it be kind of through you know medical facilities and and healthcare services? How do you imagine that you you actually kind of bring it to market and get it into the, the hands of users? So we are thinking of two different ways, and it's something we've been talking a lot with users and with uh, stoma therapists and nurses that are in charge of this in, in, in hospitals. And we are really willing to offer two ways. So one of them is the direct-to-consumer, where uh, users, uh, especially young people, they, they see our About Adapt online, they download our app, and from the comfort of their homes, they can really do the scanning themselves at the end. It's a little bit like this face recognition, no? but with the, with the belly, it's uh, very quick to do. And, and then they can select, no, I want this color, I'm using this pouch, uh, and then enter any specific requirements as well. And once we have this image, we have the automated design going through, we 3D print it and then we send them to their homes. So they don't really need to step into a healthcare facility or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it's very important also to provide this way to make sure that we also reach places where maybe they, they don't have a healthcare facility that close by or they don't have this figure of stoma therapist, which is this nurse specialized in ostomies. Uh, so this is one way. And then the, the second way, which uh, we, we really want to have it uh, in parallel, is uh, working with uh, stoma therapists in hospitals. So you need to think this is a nurse that sees every day only people living with ostomy bags and is super expert on this topic. And, and we've been collaborating with, uh, with a lot of them, from, especially from Spain, but also here from Stanford Children's Hospital. And, and they, it's really the idea that they would be able to, to almost prescribe, no? adapt, uh, uh, to say, okay, we, we do the scanning, they could do it directly from the hospital with an iPad or a smartphone. And then the, the process uh, that follows, it's, it's the same. We do the, the personalization and send it back to the healthcare facility or to the user's home. Coming back onto the, the use of 3D printing um, as, as your kind of method as, of manufacture, <clears throat> in terms of that experience using 3D printing technology from, I guess, you know, software to materials to hardware, how would you assess the capabilities of the, of the technology currently? Obviously, it allows you to to go down this route of personalization, but in terms of the quality and the repeatability, um, those kind of things, how how are you finding the technology at the moment and what improvements would you like to see, if any? Yeah, so to be honest, we're really happy with uh, with the technology itself. We, we are seeing every year also that there's more and more manufacturers working in biocompatible silicon 3D printing. Uh, which is uh, which is great because right now the the main challenge that we have really is the cost because it's still quite rare to 3D print in biocompatible silicon and we hope that in the in the next uh, following years it's something that uh, hopefully will go down as more people start to go into the market and also one thing that we we hope to see more it's uh, companies offering also some type of 3D printing. Uh, adhesive. So basically, right now we we three D print the piece and we add the like a gel that works as an adhesive, 
a bit more in as a second step. And, and it's something that we've seen very few companies really offering to 3D print also that layer of gel or, or offer some kind of uh, adhesive solution uh, for pieces. Because at the end in healthcare, a lot of things need to be attached to skin. Um, even if you're talking about ventilatory masks or if you're talking about ostomy bag suppliances. So it's something that speaking with other healthcare uh, startups, uh, they also see it as a challenge. No? Um, and I, I understand that ODAPT is, is exploring other applications um, with silicone 3D printing. Um, at this stage, what are you able to tell us about the, the progress being made there? What are the kind of ideas that, that you guys have internally? Yeah, so the, the great thing about uh, 3D printing with biocompatible silicon is that uh, every time we, we go to see uh, nurses or surgeons in hospital, it's uh, it's very interesting when we explain the way we work and, and the materials we use. It's something that always comes up of saying, oh, actually, do you think you can do the same process but for this other application because I have this problem or this need where I think it could also work? So it's something that we, we are keeping in mind a lot. Uh, uh, we're working on in other projects. For instance, Mario, who is also in the team, is the main one working in a project for uh, respiratory masks for neonates. And it's uh, quite a very similar pro uh, uh, process in the sense that we scan the neonates' uh, face also with a smartphone or with a more professional scanning. And then we we personalize the, the masks and 3D print them with biocompatible silicon. So at the end, once this process is done, it can really be applied. Or for instance, here um, here in the US, um, there are a lot of cases of uh, spit fistulas. So this is, for instance, the other day we were going to the to the hospital to see a, a stoma therapist, and she was telling us there was this kid that had a, had a, an accident, a gunshot uh, here in the neck, and and since then he needs to live really with an ostomy bag attached to his neck. And even if uh, it's a, a spit fistula, it means we, in his case, he has saliva going out uh, through the neck. He's using an ostomy bag, no? So uh, here it's it's the same. Uh, at the end, the, the neck has a, a complex shape. So if uh, there's something more adapted uh, and better for the skin for this kit, it can also definitely be applied for this case. No? Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> on the uh, ODAPT website, um, it says that the, the team there is, is driven by technology, innovation and sustainability. Um, I think we've covered technology and innovation quite well so far in the discussion, but what can you tell me about the, the company's efforts when it comes to sustainability? How much of a factor is that in, in the work that, that you guys are doing? Yeah, so for us it's very important to, to make it reusable. Um, and, and it's something that has given us a lot of challenges in terms of regulatory, because when you want to make something, uh, a medical device reusable, then you have all this pop out coming out of saying, OK, how long are you going to be able to use it? How are you cleaning it? How are you? Mm, no. So it's uh, it's quite challenging, but it's something that we really want to go through, even if it's it takes us uh, more time. Because we really think it's a it's a it's a key aspect, and especially in the world where we live now, and with the new generations, is actually something that uh, it's being asked a lot in the surveys that we that we do. Uh, we have um, 
especially young young people really asking for this change saying uh, uh, it feels so bad not to at the end every day uh, throw all, everything related to astomy bags and, and put new ones. So having at least one of the pieces reusable is a big, uh, uh, it's a key point. Finally, Ivana, and, and thank you so much for your time today. We're, we're speaking fairly early in, in 2024. Um, what goals are you, are you working towards um, I guess for the rest of this year and beyond, what are the next steps for ODAPT? Yeah, so our closest next step is really this um, auto automation of the flow uh, that we work on. And I hope it's something that we will be able to announce very soon. We are hoping to really collaborate with a big uh, industry partner on this. Uh, and once we have this automated uh, flow um we we want to really go to to do the trials more in the hospitals right now we're working more with um with um uh, volunteers and 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 a lot of um, influencers actually that are like uh, from in instagram in spain trying to a lot of young people uh trying to raise awareness about astomy bags speak out about this topic so we're mainly focused on on young people um, but yes, basically automating the process and then really raising the the to the next step in terms of regulatory and um, and trials. <laughs>